Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Yeah, I don't like all that like introduction stuff. And hey, we'll just start it right <laughs> here. We'll just start it right here. Yeah. So I really have this. I don't know if it's a good philosophy or bad philosophy with po- podcasting, but you know, I've seen programs and I've been on one or two where the host will, you know, do this whole blurb about the guests and stuff. And it's kind of like this doesn't really feel authentic to me. This doesn't really feel like we're having a conversation. This feels like you know, this is going to be a little talk show host, and this is going to be a ten minute thing. And it's just, and maybe you know, and I'm not you know hating on anybody who does that but i just it's just not my style i just think that you know we're just we're just two people having a conversation you know and then if they want more on you obviously read the show notes and as we talk they'll find more the audience will find out more about you and then we'll just party from there is that gonna make sense it does and i think it also aligns with the kind of topics that you talk about on your podcast as well you're delving into their lives um whereas on most of these podcasts i think they're going more of um, you know, tips or business sure. kind of uh, strategies and those kinds. So I think it really aligns with the direction that you want to take your podcast as well. So, yeah. yeah, that's a good point that, you know, I was for some reason podcasts like ones that it's just talking and it's like it seems very authentic, always resonates with me rather than and I get, you know, the side like, oh, it's tips and businesses and insights on how to be a a marketing nomad like yourself. But and those are good. <laughs> but it's just like it's just for some reason. And I don't know. There's, I guess there could be tons of arguments made for that, but it's, it feels more genuine to me that, hey, I actually really felt like I got to know the person and learned why they got into what they do and how you know they started thinking the way they did and what obstacles they come over and all that good stuff. So, But yeah, let's start there, though. Or again, let's uh, give people at least a little bit of a background about yourself. How did you become a marketing nomad and a digital op- entrepreneur? And where did all this start? And uh, yeah, and all that good stuff. Where did, when did it all happen? Oh, it's uh, it's been crazy. It's a crazy journey, and uh, it absolutely starts with me finding my passion first. So for those of you out there who may not know who I am, my name is Prithvi Madhukar, and um, I am an engineer by degree. <laughs> and unfortunately, during my second year of engineering, I realized that this was just not for me. I could not see the next 40 years of my life in this field And it was quite different because the society that I grew up, I mean, I grew up in, either you are a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer, and that's pretty much it. You know, if you are any, if you take up any other profession other than these three, either you're not looked at with respect, 
Mm. Or people think that you are guaranteed a failure. And if you do achieve success, they just, you know, chalk it off as sheer dumb luck. So at that point, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm trying to figure out my life. Everyone around me seemingly has their life all figured out. They seem to like engineering. And there I was like an odd duck, not understanding why I wasn't passionate about something that everyone else was passionate about. And for me, finding that passion in life was very, very important. I have been a dancer ever since I can remember. Like, I think I was born dancing. And for me, I wanted to find that kind of passion towards my career as well. I just, I, I don't know. I, I believe that life is short. And yeah. I believe that we should be able to do the things that we love for the most part of it. So around this time, I'm lazing around at home during my summer holidays. And my dad, he's a very typical Indian parent. He comes up to me and he says, you know, why don't you get an internship or have some real world experience? And while I wasn't happy about this because <laughs> engineering wasn't even my thing, what would I do in an internship? I didn't even remember any of the things I'd studied. And I told him that and my mom was not amused. My dad laughed at my joke. And so the next day, both my parents are entrepreneurs. I think it's important for me to add this. So my dad took me to his office and he said, okay, why don't you spend a couple of hours, help my team out. Um, they have, you know, the website's new. They were moving from, you know, the, they were actually getting into the digital space at that time. So he said, why don't you just work with the team, figure out any spelling mistakes on the website. And so I sat there with the team I found a spelling mistake here. Then at another point, I thought to rephrase the sentence. And then another page, I thought that the colors didn't match the overall aesthetic of the website. And then I pointed that out. And slowly, I moved on to the social media pages. And then, you know, I slowly moved on to bigger and bigger things. And I didn't even realize that this was marketing. Ooh. And so I didn't realize it. I didn't even know it was called marketing at the time. And like I said, the... Even the thought process of the people around me, they weren't able to figure out that this was marketing. For them, it was just social media or, you know, it was just website. It, it wasn't marketing as such. So I went back the next two summers as well, because that was the only time that I felt happy doing these, these little, little things. I felt really engrossed in the entire day. Eight hours would just fly by. I would not even have any clue. And... Even at this point, I didn't realize that this was something I could pursue my career in because like I said, it's only these three fields and anything other than that, it's not really looked up upon. So I was like, okay, fine, let's just, uh, both my parents are entrepreneurs. I've always wanted to do, you know, start my own business someday. Let me do my MBA. So I applied. I did not even apply to a single job in engineering. <laughs> I just started applying uh, like very fervently. I was absolutely scared that I would have to end up in engineering. I did get an admit in Rochester Institute of Technology. That's in upstate New York. And I was so happy when I got that. I flew immediately. And I think it was my first marketing class in the first semester itself. My professor's up there. She's trying to engage the class, trying to ask different questions. And there I was, like a total nerd, answering every single question with my hand up, <laughs> you know, raised up. And it, Chris, it wasn't even like normal marketing questions. It was like, okay, what was the Coca-Cola campaign 10 years ago or Maggie campaign three years ago? 
And somehow I had absorbed all of these things while I was growing up. You know, these were newspaper articles that I was drawn to, magazine or online articles that I liked reading about. And it was in that moment in that class that I realized that, ooh, all of this comes under marketing. And all of my life had sort of been directed towards marketing. And I just didn't know what it was called or what it even was. Sure. So that there began, you know, a lot of relief, of course, but there began my journey of pursuing my passion. So that is actually one part of the story. How I became a digital entrepreneur, oh, that story's got so much drama, so much intrigue, <laughs> and <laughs> it's been absolutely chaotic, but I will start that story, that part of the story right now. So okay. I complete my MBA, I found my passion, I'm absolutely happy. I get a full-time job on Long Island. It's a top solar firm. Super, super excited about my life. Well, I'm living so close to New York City as well. And, you know, I'm just enjoying the best part of my time. So as an international student in the U.S., we get one year of OPT, which is optional practical training. You're allowed to work on your student visa. However, after your one year is up for non-STEM students, you have to renew it into the H-1B visa. So my employer, he applied, and unfortunately, my work visa was not processed. Mm. And that meant I had to leave the country. And I had to leave my job, my amazing friends, my colleagues, and I had just figured my life out. You know, I, after feeling so last, lost during my engineering days, finally, I felt like there was some direction to my life. And um, overnight, everything just flipped upside down for me. I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of anguish. I was frustrated. I was angry at life, angry at fate. And during that entire three months of turmoil, I guess I would say, I realized that I had two options. One, to put my resume on LinkedIn for other full-time jobs across the world, not necessarily India, which is where I am living right now. But that would be one option. But the second option was, that I actually start something on my own instead of waiting five or 10 years. I mean, that was always the plan. But if I didn't find, you know, take this opportunity to start something on my own, then I guess maybe I would regret it in the future. And that was my entire thought process. So I decided to try out the entrepreneurial journey. I thought I would try it for a year and see how it goes. If it worked out, which meant for me working out meant if I could cover my basic uh, living expenses and my business expenses, then maybe I could see how far I could take it. And I thought that I owed it to myself to try. And I was already at level zero. There was no harm in going down this path. Sure. So, I mean, one year later, if it didn't work out, I could always put my resume on LinkedIn and go that path. So that's actually how I started, Chris. I started putting my profile up on freelance platforms. After that, I think about eight months in, it was pretty clear that something was working. I was starting to gain a lot of um, recognition on these social media platforms as well as freelance websites. And I thought, hmm, okay, if it's working, why not I continue it? And then I set up my business in August of 2020. I was in India at the time. I set up my company in Delaware, and this was in the middle of the pandemic. But I have not looked back ever since. It's Good. been a roller coaster ride, but I've absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. Good. That's so badass. You know, I love it when you know you hear these stories of people wanting to finally take a chance at something and 
you know, whether they know that, okay, it might be trash in the beginning or they know they're starting at level zero, like you said, that, you know, eventually, hopefully if you stick with it, good things will happen. And yeah, it'll be a wild ride, but it'll also be a learning experience and it'll be fun along the way. And I totally can relate to that just because, you know, I wish I was 20 years old and would have started this podcast when I was 20 years old. But, you know, I think I had this, I don't know, I didn't have the wrong life manual, I guess. I just kind of thought that it was always inbred into me that if you go to college, you know, you'll get a good job coming out, you'll be successful. You know, then that kind of didn't work out for me at all. Well, I mean, it kind of did, but it kind of didn't. And then I decided, oh, okay, well, I just need a higher degree, you know, so I went and got back my master's and I was like, okay, yeah, now I'll be even more successful. I got a higher degree. <laughs> and not to say that I'm not successful, but, you know, I got a good job and everything, but it was just one of those things like I thought for whatever reason that just having those degrees and doing that, that I was going to be making, you know, rich money, like this be set <laughs> for life. And then, it, but it's not like that. And, and I was always afraid to start something on my own just because mm-hmm. it was like, Ooh, what if I fail? You know, what if I end up living back with my mom and father and be a failure in front of all my friends and all that. So it's finally when the pandemic came along that, is why I started this podcast. I was like, I'm just going to try something. You know, I want to try it. I've always liked podcasts. I'm going to do it. I'm going to start talking to people. And it's one of the best things I've ever done. Sometimes, you know, it's just, you know, I had only my friends coming on in the first few episodes. And I never thought after three, four or five episodes, it would, you know, do any more than that. But it's grown a little bit and I'm enjoying it. I get to talk with cool people like you. And it's one of the best things. It just, I guess my point is, is actually just taking a chance at something and seeing what happens, whether, you know, and that I wish more people would. And I think more people are starting to accept that kind of yes. mentality rather than just, oh, I'm just going to go to college and hope for the best. And I'm going to try to become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is. But it's just like, oh, no, you can do other things in life now. And you got the whole world at your hands. Just if you're willing to look up the information and talk to some people and get on LinkedIn, I guess, too. So. Yeah, but it's cool, you know, and I'm glad that, you know, uh, I mean, what was one thing that you learned, like, you know, starting from level zero and starting to grow your audience and your social media and like from that? Because it seems like that's a lot of people who I've been talking to, you know, they're starting at level zero and they're starting to try to work their way up that mountain. Well, I think the first thing that I learned was to trust myself implicitly, like I there is no other substitute to that. I think that on this journey, you will doubt yourself a lot. There will be a lot of occasions where things will hit a low mm. a lot of times. And I'm sure you'll agree with this, Chris, because the entrepreneurial journey, it's not easy. I mean, a lot of people think that, oh, yeah, you know, within six months, you're going to hit six figures or seven figures. But it's really not that. There are more lows than highs. But I mean, that's why we enter the whole thing. We we like that that freedom that comes along with that. But sure. I think the most important thing that I learned was to trust myself, regardless of if I couldn't find a way, I trusted myself to find the right people to help me out. If there was a problem that was really tough, I trusted myself to find the resources to help me out, or I trusted my own resourcefulness or my own skills, my own knowledge, my own abilities. And I think that is one big lesson that I have learned for the rest of my life. And I think if you trust yourself on this journey, I don't say that things become easier, but I think that you invariably find a way to get over the harder times. So with what you're doing, are you helping, you know, certain people become 
better with their marketing strategies and their social media presence presence. Okay. I see. So for somebody who's new, like you said, we're starting at level zero. I mean, what would be some of the first things you help them out with and telling them, Hey, if you want to grow your audience, if you want to grow your followers on the gram, I mean, LinkedIn, whatever most people are using. I mean, what are, what would something they start at? Where would they start? Yeah. So as a marketer myself, when I first started this journey, I, kind of put in a lot of complicated marketing strategies for my business because I was very, very excited. Unfortunately, all of those backfired (laughs) because when you're starting out, you have to realize that you need one point for all of the other complex marketing strategies to build on later. You need a stable foundation first. And actually, that was my first lesson as a marketer in the entrepreneurial journey. So my advice to anyone who's starting out is the simplest way to go about your marketing is to create paths for people to find you. Okay. And what do I mean by that? Your audience is probably at point A. You are probably at point B. Figure out how you are going to connect them to you. For example, Chris has this podcast, but he also has an Instagram page. You know, how is he going to get people on Instagram to first find his Instagram page? And then from his Instagram page, hop onto his podcast and listen to his episodes. So those are different paths that you're creating for people. Not just that, you are interlinking those paths. Like from Instagram, you're sending them to podcast. From podcast, you're sending them to Instagram and vice versa. So that is actually the most important and the most, I think, the most important thing for you to form a stable foundation. And after you have that, after you just focus on creating paths, For people to find you, you can start overlapping marketing strategies over that. And it becomes a natural progression of adding marketing strategies instead of you randomly throwing in a marketing strategy, because at that point, it becomes a flow instead of a complex marketing strategy that you're just trying to jam in. This was a lesson that I learned. And now, whenever I talk to anyone, or you know, whether it is even giving tips on my social media platforms. It's just keeping it simple. When you start out, there's a lot of advice out there. There's a lot of tips out there. You will feel really excited to add them all into your marketing. But you have to understand that you have to start simple. Create paths for people to find you, your business, and your products or your services. So with that, you know, and I I don't really know anything much about social media. I just usually just post something, throw it up there, and I just kind of move on with my life and stuff. And besides me, just randomly scrolling through Instagram. But is it to be better? Is it better for people to be on as many platforms as they can? Or should they only stick with maybe the one they're the most active on? Or is like I guess, or is it better to say, hey, if it's something new, if, you know, the new, hey, I just learned about Substack the other day. Like, oh, should I go ahead and start promoting stuff on there too? You know, it's like the more, the better. I think that's a really good question, Chris. And there are different ways to answer this just because each person's business is very different. But one thing, there are a few questions that you can ask yourself to come to a conclusion of, you know, what decision or what path your business needs to take. Number one is where is your audience located? Okay. You know, that's probably a place that you should hang out more at. Number two is if you are the person who is figuring out your marketing and your one-man show at this moment, I would say pick a platform that showcases your strengths. Because a lot of times, you know, some people, 
they are comfortable with podcasts like you are. Some people, they're comfortable with maybe video. Some people, they're more comfortable writing. There are different you know, strengths that each person has. And if you are a one-man show who's also doing the marketing for your business, I would say move to your strengths. Because when you end up on a platform that you are not comfortable with, it shows. And people may mistake that uncomfortability uncomfortability wow <laughs> uncomfortability let I me mean, say that fast two, three okay. times it's really really hard <laughs> okay so you know people may um, mistake that uneasiness for you just not being comfortable talking about your business or your products and services and that actually leads to mistrust and so so on and so forth it's a whole behavior that you've got to analyze about your target audience so my fundamental point is you've got to figure out your strengths and work the platforms that apply to your strengths. Now, number three is if you are hiring someone, okay, um, what resources can you afford in that moment? Okay, pick the platforms that actually work to your budget rather than expanding your budget to fit the resources. That's usually a mistake that I do see a lot of businesses, especially one man you know, shows who are hiring maybe an independent contractor. They're at that stage where they can outsource a little bit of work. And then my fourth point is, are you a business owner or are you a marketer? You have to understand that content creation, social media, all of your marketing is just one part of the wheel. You are fundamentally a business owner. And this was actually a lesson that I had to learn as well. As a marketer, it's pretty much ingrained in me to focus on content creation, to focus on marketing, but I had to move away from that mindset. And I agree that there is a lot of pressure on solopreneurs and small business owners to focus on social media. And while that is very, very important, I will not deny that, you have to agree that there are other duties and responsibilities that you have as a business owner. So I would say figure out a platform that fits in with the time you have left after completing all of those um, responsibilities and duties. That way you, it helps to stay consistent on these platforms because you now acknowledge that content creation is just one part of the wheel. It's not the entire job that you have as a business owner. And a lot of people look at me, I'm on various platforms. A lot of people look at me and they say, well, Prit, you're on at least six different platforms. And for that, my answer is that I think that's the natural direction that I want to take my business. I want to be fundamentally a content creator, which is why I've got, you know, so many different kinds of content. It really inspires the creative side for me. So you also have to see what's the direction that you want to take your business as well. So different answers, but at the same time, you've got to find what works for your business, your vision for your business as well. You know, and those are some good points and something I never really thought about. But and while you were talking, I was thinking about this, that it seems like, you know, for me or in this maybe not for me, but in general that most people would want to jump on the newest social platform. And just, just because, and I guess where I'm saying is, is because I remember when Facebook first came out like 2008, seven, I don't even remember, but you know, only, it was only for college students, only those people were on it. And now it seems like it's like for old people to best to be on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's what somebody told me one time. And that, so it's just like, all right, you're posting on Facebook. All right. Who, who goes on Facebook anymore? It's like, you know, my grandma, it's like, cool, bro. (laughs) So so it was like, all right. So it was like, all right. So, uh, you know, 
I got more active on Instagram and I, you know, I, I really liked Instagram and then tw- Twitter was always big, but for some reason it never took off for me just because I always thought it was for celebrities, you know, and it seemed right. like when Twitter started out, it started a little bit after Facebook, but unless you already had a huge following, it was almost hard to, and I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it was a hard to, it was a hard, uphill battle the whole way to try to get a following on Twitter. And so, you know, now, you know, I've learned about TikTok, which I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, but I guess <laughs> but my point is that, you know, it's, there's always going to be a newer platform and you, you should at least go out and try it, I guess. Right. And like I was talking about, I was looking at Substack the other day and I really don't know what it is, but it's, like, it's for podcasters. It's for people who write apparently for journalists and that is like, okay, this could be something to me. So I've been exploring that a little bit and wonder if that's just another area of promotions. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I know that when Clubhouse came out pretty recently, I think everyone just kind of swarmed to it and then it died out after that. And I think that's one thing that you have to understand that uh, the whole fad of social media, it, it, it can fade away. It can absolutely fade away. And I think that when Clubhouse started, I was pretty sure that I did not want to go down that route because one, I already had a marketing plan in place. Um, There was not another social media platform that I could fit. And I think at this point, we probably have to talk about shiny object syndrome because that's absolutely legit for every single business owner and entrepreneur out there. So I think one of the questions that I would ask myself at this point is, does that platform align with the vision that I have for my business? Or am I chasing it because it's just shiny or it's the new in thing? Am I feeling insecure that I'm going to be missing out on something? So I, at this point, when I asked myself this question, it was pretty clear that it was a shiny object syndrome. And one, I did not have the time, the bandwidth to take on another social media platform. And I thought that if I finished with my marketing plan and then for the next, I think it's the next quarter, if I thought that it was helpful for my business, then I could take a look and figure what it was all about. But I think the most important thing to understand is first, figure out where your audience is. That's the most important thing. And second, work to your strengths. I I guess I would say that. Yeah. So once you figure out where that audience is, I mean, is it start to become, okay, you know, I got to keep creating content, thumbnails, pictures, anything to make them, to give them a reason to come back to my page every time. You know, I don't know where I picked that up at, up that up at, but somebody pointed that out to me one time and it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, if you're going to create thumbnails, if you're going to create these pictures on Instagram, you know, you want your page to be kind of continuity where it's just like, oh, it's all streamly and it's all nice and looks good. And you just can't have random shit everywhere, you know? <laughs> so, and I was like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. And that never really occurred to me when I go and look at, you know, people's pages. I just, it's just one of those things I've never even, you know, had a sense of. I was like, okay, I guess that's kind of cool or whatever. But yeah, it was just like, you know, but you go and you look at other people's thumbnails compared to, and this is on YouTube, of course, their thumbnails compared to somebody else. It's, oh, well, I do like theirs better, I guess. So, I probably would click on that video. Is that kind of what boils down to? It, uh, unfortunately, yes. Um, a lot of uh, the decision-making process happens within three to seven seconds. So oh. you've got to make sure. Yeah, that's uh, one of the marketing rules out there and consumer behavior tactics that we have to align our marketing strategies for. So usually consumers or even your target audience, they make their decision within three to seven seconds. So you've got to make sure that you are capturing their attention within that time span, whether it is an awesome thumbnail or whether it is the hook of your conversation or what you're saying or the videos, all of those things, I guess I would say, uh, you know, 
people do judge a book by its cover. So it is important to focus on all that as well. But it's not just the visual aspects about it. It's also if you can get a great hook for the beginning three seconds of your video or the podcast, you know, capture people's attention right off the bat. So that and then not just that, but sustain that attention throughout. That's also super, super important. So the thumbnail, the visual aspects is just one part of the wheel. It's not the entire thing. But when you capture their attention, the next step is to figure out how to keep it going, how to sustain that attention. And then the next step to that is to figure out how to get them to take a step towards your business or your products or your services. So whether that is downloading a lead magnet or listening to the next episode of your podcast episode uh, of your podcast or following you on another social media platform. So it's basically these three steps that you've got to keep in mind with every single piece of content that you put out there. So when putting that content out there, you know, like you said earlier, you were kind of drawn to certain things at a young age and you just memorized them or whatever. I mean, is it like human psychology or human law and human nature, whatever you want to say that they are just, you know, we are just automatically drawn to certain images, colors, objects. And we're just like, Ooh, shiny. like you said, shiny syndrome. I'll, I'll click on that. Whatever. You know, is that kind of what it is? And that's why you got to kind of feel like, Ooh, you got to know, like you, when you said, you know, your audience, I know most of my audience likes the color red or something like that. And that's what you end up doing. I guess it's not just about the color, though in marketing, there are a few colors that signify different things like blue signifies trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the mind automatically connects blue to trust. And that's why they say that when you're going for job interviews, it's usually helpful to wear blue color um, because it uh, signifies trust and also team team player. They're different, you know. Yeah. So each color has its own yeah. Uh, yeah, psychology behind it. People perceive colors. People perceive different um, the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you show up, your personality. You know, there's different perception to all of that. As Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. well so it's not just colors it's also the way you show up you know like chris the way you started this podcast Mm -hmm. it's natural that your audience will most likely align with that format because that's just how they are as well so it's not just colors but it's also a whole spectrum of your branding that people will align to people will resonate with and that's why it's very important to be intentional about your branding like chris for example if uh, you liked maybe that sort of format, then it's natural that the audience that you attract would like that sort of format, but you don't. You like free-flowing conversation. You like getting to know people, digging in deep. So 
the people who listen to you, and that's very intentional branding on your end as well. So it's natural that the people will be attracted to that personality of yours and that format of your podcast as well. So at the end of the day, everything that you do has to be intentional. It's not necessarily about the visual aspects or the visual aspects. Would you say you're creative? You you're get a creative mindset? Yes. <laughs> I'm extremely creative. That's why I'm so, on so many different platforms. I feel like my creativity expands into different spectrums like video, podcasts, um, even designing products. It's, I'm a writer as well. Mm. Very, very creative person. Yes. Did you always know that? Like I, yeah, I guess I was, I've always been a dancer. So I guess I knew that that side of creativity always existed. And I did figure out that I knew how to sing at some point uh, in my later teens, which was weird. And <laughs> so I knew that there was some part of me that was very, very creative, but the designing aspect and the strategizing and all of that, that came during my MBA. I was like, okay, this is something that I'm good at. I can, things are just piecing together in my mind. And then I always knew I was going to be an author someday. So I think from the age of seven. So wow. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I always knew that I was a creative person, but I think I knew what my strengths were from a very young age. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think I knew what mine were at a very young age. And just, I don't, I think generally speaking, most people, when, you know, when I'm talking to them and when I ask them strengths or values or something, they, they really don't know. And it's just not until they, you know, like you said, you were going through your MBA or you started doing things and you're like, Oh, you know, this is kind of making sense to me. I'm this resonates with me for whatever reason. And that, you know, then it's just like, Oh, you know, I know I'm, I'm good at writing or I'm good at, you know, being a creative person and let me turn this into something. And they start to follow that passion. And I think that's one thing, you know, if, and the reason I asked you is because I was thinking about, you know, when I'm creating my stuff, you know, it's like, well, you know, I've been trying to, I never thought of myself as a creative person, but mm. I kept thinking I got to work at it. I want to become more creative and I got to learn to, you know, figure out how I get that creative bug out of me or get whatever's inside brewing in my head, like, and do something with it. And so, yeah, and I think most people are pretty creative. They just don't understand or know how to externalize it. Does that kind of make yes. sense? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I believe in that, actually. I think that we all have something that we are drawn towards, we're passionate about, we're good at in the creative spectrum. I think that either we don't allow ourselves to recognize it or we just don't think that it's a possibility for us to recognize it as a passion so or as a creative outlet. And I think that every single person in their own way I mean, even if you take an engineer, finding creative solutions is a part of creativity. Sure. You know? So I think that there are different ways to be creative. And it's not, and I think that when people hear the word creative, they think, oh, okay, it's just arts or it's just drawing or it's just sure. you know, I think that that very narrow definition of creativity is what uh, stops us all. And the fact that creativity has no bounds. It's pretty ironic that we have such a narrow-minded perception of what creativity is. So, yeah, absolutely That's agree with that. Point. That's a great point because I would say if you asked me back in college if I was creative, like that would be the first thing I would have said that, oh, creativity is only for painting or drawing. Mm. And just that, you know, I, you know, and I can't do either one, you know, and I've done, I've done, <laughs> yeah. I've done a couple of one designs. I mean, no big deal. They're fun. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> that was kind of stupid, but I have done them. They're fun. But um. 
shit, I lost my point. But yeah, so like it was <laughs> not until afterwards that, yeah, you know, I started to learn that, you know, when I did things, you know, as far as, you know, uh, I started learning how to do uh, Photoshop and uh, Illustrator and stuff. And like, I would just follow along a YouTube video and I was like, oh, I'm creating something here. Even though it's kind of a copy or something, what they were doing that it was like, oh, I am creating something. And I started to get to where to build that skill set, skill set and where I was like, okay, I want to create something on my own now. And, you know, and I got to do it. And it was cool because I got to do it how I wanted to do. I didn't have anybody, you know, sitting over me like, oh, I want it to be done like this. You know, I got the, and it's like, oh, you know, and I got that feeling like that was really cool. Like I did something. It was like that satisfaction. And, and, and that's where I was learning, I guess, part of it also where I started learning, okay, you know, if I really want to do something, I can do it. It's just a matter of how and when. And just let me sit down. It might take me a little bit longer than, you know, like yourself, you know, who's yeah. been doing it for longer than I have. But I said, but I, I can do it. And it's as long as I'm willing to grind it out and, you know, shift that mindset a little bit that I can make some magic happen. I do want to point out that, you know, every single skill and passion, I mean, you've got to work hard at it. Sure. I think that just figuring out that you're creative is probably step zero. And there's just so many things that come after it honing that skill, making sure that it's getting better each day, making sure that you're not burning out in that process. You know, there are so many different aspects to creativity and especially in the creative spectrum, what I feel is it's because we're so happy, especially with you, with your podcast and me with um, what I do with my business. I'm so happy doing it that sometimes I don't even realize that burnout is sneaking up on me, yeah. you know? And I think uh, that's also one more part of the responsibility that we have being a creative person or when we step into the creative world as well. No, I agree hundred percent. And I think that goes back to the argument, this hard work beat talent. And mm. you know, there's always going to be, be, you know, people who are just gifted for with whatever, you know, there's automatically mm. just drawing and masterpieces at a young age, but there's other people out there who know they don't have that talent, but they're willing to do whatever it takes to absolutely yeah, work hard at it. And you know, I mean, at the end of when it's all said and done, this hard work beat talent, just, I mean, maybe in certain, you know, situations, you know, I mean, does, I mean, what's that stupid old story that like the grasshopper and the squirrel or this, I, thought, I don't know if it's a squirrel, but he's packing away food all. Yeah, I think it's the ant. Maybe it's an ant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. do we have my story wrong? Uh, I, don't, I mean, like, I, have, I don't know why I thought about that anyway, but like, you know, it's, I guess because it was like, oh, the grasshoppers playing music and doing mm -hmm. the ants, you know, storing food and actually working hard to do something. And the grasshopper's like, oh, well, maybe that's not a bad analogy or that's not a good analogy. But anyway, that was my point. Like, you got to work at something and make, even though you are good at it, there's always room for improvement, I guess. And that, you know, that you get, you find it one way or the other. I think that both are necessary. I think that you need to have the, the inherent talent as well as the hard work. I think one without the other, usually it gets very, very hard. Like if you have talent, but you're not willing to put in the hard work, that's a waste of that talent. If you are putting in all the hard work, but you've got absolutely no talent for it. I mean, I'm terrible at drawing, Chris. And if if someday I want to decide to be a, a, a painter or an artist, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make it because you do need that talent, that inherent talent in whatever it is that you do as much as I would want to put in hard work. So I think it's one with the other. I think both of them are necessary when it comes to being successful. And 
when it comes to talent, I mean, it's not necessarily that it's like drawing or something like that. It could even be the skills that you have, the soft skills that you have, the hard skills that you have, you know, it's not always just a visible talent that when, when we speak about talent that I'm talking about. Yeah. Do, do you know who uh, Mr. Beast is on YouTube? No, no. Okay, he's that probably got, very familiar. Yeah. He's probably one of the biggest influencers, whatever you want to call them, YouTube stars that, I've seen and and he's basically kind of said the same thing that we're at a very very young age like him and his friends just kind of wanted to learn everything there was about YouTube and mm. they wanted you know they wanted to learn to I don't know about the algorithm part of it but they wanted to learn like YouTube or the thumbnails and why people were going to their you know channels and like what kind of content were they putting out and why did this video get more views compared to video B and compared to video C and like he literally would study everything about it. And I can't remember if he tried to go to college or he just said, screw it. I'm not going to go, but he just went all in on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, I think he's got the most subscribers or if not top two or three on there, but, and and now he's just like, you know, spending even more money that he gets on to keep creating more content. Like, you know, he knows he's at the big, he's at the top of his game, but he's just, loves creating so much and just loves creating new videos. And also I think he gives away money to people when he do, there's a, like he did like a Squid Games video and they made like they set up this huge studio just to make it like exactly like Squid Games. And that, that I don't obviously they didn't kill anybody or something, but they made, <laughs> they actually played the, they yeah. actually played the games where it was safe and stuff. But it was just stuff like that and people like that. I was like, man, you know, what you know, what was inside him and what made him keep wanting to do this, even though once he hit the top and he knows he's great, like he just wants mm. to keep going. And I think that's what it is that he's one of those probably rare breeds that have just you know both of them he has the talent and the hard work ethic where he's just like yeah i know i I love doing it so much i'm just going to keep doing it you know and it's obviously done so well for him so i think that's awesome i have not heard i like i I think the name sounds very familiar to me but i have personally not had any interaction with mr beast but i'm definitely going to go check it out after this podcast episode Yeah, he's got a bunch of random uh, videos where he does stuff like that. Like there was one video where he made these size like 18, the ridiculous size shoes he had especially made. And I don't even know why I'm talking about this anymore, but it was just interesting to me that uh, I forgot he walked like half a marathon or a full marathon in these shoes and just to do it. <laughs> and then he was just like, because it's content, you know, he's creating content. Yeah. And like he had to stop halfway through or whatever, but you know, and he went and spent all, I forgot how much money he spent on it just to make this one video. And it was so cool that there's people still like doing that where people, I think, you know, where they see that, you know, and maybe not all people, but certain entrepreneurs, they see this video and they're like, Oh, I can go do that. And then after, you know, two videos and they just kind of throw something together and not really put their best work into it. And that doesn't go anywhere. They get, you know, sidetracked. They're like, well, this isn't for me. I tried. You know, and then they just kind of give up on their dreams. Well, I think you bring up two different points there, Chris. One is consistency part of it. I think that talent, hard work, but at the same time, you've got to keep consistently showing up. I think that's also an important part of the equation. But I think the second thing that you brought up was, you know, the first piece of content that you put out may not necessarily always be the best one out there. I think that, you know, it takes time to hone your skills, even if you have a natural talent. It takes time to build it up to a point where, uh, I guess, when you look at it, you'll say, "Okay, I've grown so much." So, 
I mean, my first podcast episode was an absolute disaster. The first YouTube video, absolute disaster. So, you know, I think it's just, I think a lot of people are so scared to even take the first step because they think that, you know, it needs to be perfect or it needs to be top quality content or the yeah. same as the 700th video of maybe Mr. Beast out there. But yeah, I think those are two different things. I think one, you have to acknowledge that your first piece of content out there isn't probably going to be the best and you're probably going to be embarrassed about it for a very long time. I still am. And then the second part of the equation is, but if you keep on doing the same thing again and again and again and keep on improving your skills, work on it consistently, I think it will get to a point where you can look back and say, hmm, that's actually some good stuff there. Yeah, no, and I agree with your points. And that was very well said by you that, you know, I remember going back and look at my very first YouTube video slash podcast video, however you want to say it. And like, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, what you said, that's a dumpster fire right there. <laughs> and, and, yes, I, and I was like, oh my gosh, I just need to take this down. But, you know, I, I can't remember where I picked this up from for somebody along the way, but they were like, no, keep it up there. Cause it shows mm. you what you said, how much you've grown. Like you can go yeah. look at your latest video, then go look at that video and be like, look how much, you know, you learned along the way and things that you did differently. And, and, and I guess, you know, what I wanted to ask you, like you had a good point about consistency and, do you have a rule as far as, you know, posting or consistency of when you put in out content? And, and just because I'm asking that is that I feel like, you know, with everybody trying to be an Instagram star or YouTube star or whatever that if you don't post, you know, within, you know, say you forget to post anything in a month or two months, like you're easily forgotten and it's almost hard to get back up after you gain all this momentum. Well, I think, Okay, different parts of your question, but I will answer all of them. Okay. The first part is about consistency. And I think one of the ways that I go about it, my rule is I've got to work at the time I have left and not use up all my time. Because when I first started out, like I said, I was absolutely so excited to be a marketer um, rather than a business owner. And I spent all of my time content creating and just marketing strategies and all of that. And I realized quickly that I didn't have enough time to do my other business-related activities. Yeah. And so after this, I came up with a rule that content creation is just one part of the wheel. I have to figure out the time I have left and then make sure I am creating content to the time I have left. For example, I take out all my personal commitments, my business-related activities, other stuff, my consultancy, all of that. If I have maybe three hours a week, I see how much content I can create for three hours a week. This is just an example. Maybe I can create one podcast episode and maybe three Instagram reels in that amount of time. That is the frequency that I set for myself. There will be some months where I have more amount of time. My frequency increases accordingly. There will be some months of time when the frequency has to decrease because maybe it's tax season and I've got to focus on tax related stuff, which is really annoying and I don't like it, but I have to. And so, you know, uh, I think my rule is focus on, I mean, figure out the time that you have left and then figure out the frequency based on the time that you have left. That is the rule that I keep for myself. And this is the rule that I tell my clients as well, because in this day and age where there's so much of pressure to create content every single day, like five times a day, you've got to post. I, I can't, I, I can't even, you know, wrap my head around it. I did hear this somewhere and I'm like, I can't. That's not the way to go, uh, you know, especially when there's so much pressure to create like five content pieces a day and stuff like that. And that fear of that you picked up uh, that you're going to be forgotten after a month or two if you don't post or if you just miss out one post. I think that a lot of um, solopreneurs, especially they 
tend to lean heavily towards content creation. And this is my advice. It's okay if you are, you know, your frequency is low, but make sure that you are consistent. Mm. And consistency is the most important part of the wheel. Not just that, you have to ensure that the quality of your content stays almost pretty much the same. You know, you can't have fluctuating quality of content. So when you're determining your frequency, not just determine based on the time that you have on hand, figure out how much time you need to uh, you need for making quality content, content that actually ropes in your audience. You know, for Chris, I mean, if it's one podcast a week and he can absolutely spend that one hour creating such valuable content, then that's awesome. Rather than three podcast episodes with just maybe hardly any pieces of valuable information. I mean, which one would your audience prefer? Most likely, even if it's just once a week, they would most likely prefer that. So it's all about understanding that consistency and quality matters more than, um, you know, many pieces of content or the quantity of content. Yeah, that's a good point too, that, you know, when I'm doing these episodes, I always want to be able to say that, you know, I brought my A game and I was able yes. to give, yeah, give the other person, you know, you know, a good vibe, a good feeling, you know, I just didn't get on here and just, there's like, what's your favorite, <laughs> what's your favorite color? <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to be like, you know, try to do everything right and try to get, you know, my best out of everything. And, and to your point though, like when you were talking about setting time aside that it's coming like, you know, to this point of my solopreneur podcast, whatever you want to call it that, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, people have come to me and be like, all right, you need to start making reels. You need to start making YouTube shorts. You need to start mm -hmm. making TikTok videos. And it's like, damn, you know what I mean? Like I thought I was doing good just to do a couple episodes a week or whatever, <laughs> you know, put, put those out in which, you know, and like, you know, talking about being on the team and stuff. And it's like, well, I'm contemplating that. Is it time to try to bring in somebody like, hey, you know, I want you just to pick out certain parts of the episode, make a reel out of it or make a YouTube short. Mm -hmm. and, and it's also that, you know, I could do that too, but it's like, okay, you know, I got this part down, you know, I, I'm, I'm a solo guy as it is, but it's like, all right. So if I could make, go back while I'm editing or do something, pick out one thing. And like, while I'm doing a full episode, go ahead and make a couple of reels and take them and just say like, all right, for this one hour out of my day, I'm going to make one reel or two reels or something. But it's, I think it's got to the, you know, it's just for me, it's just like, mm, cause I started out and I'm, I guess it's a bad, it's a good habit. Maybe it's a bad habit, but my habit was like, all right, you know, <laughs> make, make a podcast episode, make good content. Don't worry about anything else, you know? And that's what I solely wanted us to do was just like, all right, that was my bread and butter. That's what I wanted to make sure everybody at least got that out of it. So now it's becoming like, okay, you know, I guess on a Sunday I could wake up every Sunday and say for one hour, I'll take the previous episode, cut this out. And then I got something else. And it really wouldn't take that long. It's just a matter of me just wanting to do it. Plus I'm also doing a million other things I feel like too. So it's kind of like, mm, maybe I don't really want to do that. So, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying though. It's kind of like just making that time management skill set and just making myself sit down and just like, just create a one minute reel or however long they are now. I don't know. So and get a little bit more. Yeah, I, th I think a little to that would be, I think it goes back to what I said, creating paths. And once you've stabilized one path, like for you at this moment, you know, you feel like you've got a good, I guess I would say repetition. You've got yourself in a good schedule 
for your a podcast episode. Now you're looking to expand and create other paths. So I guess that's a good way to go about it. But if you were still trying to figure things out, I would say, you know, figure that out, figure that path out and then move on. So yeah, if you feel like you're in a good spot, why not? Why not? What's your future? I mean, what do you got planned for yourself? I mean, you just want to keep growing your business, your podcast channel. Is that what, what, what do you got going on? Well, I am the marketing nomad, so I do want to eventually start traveling, maybe, you know, spend a couple of weeks in a place and also grow my marketing consultancy firm, be a content creator. Oh, I have big dreams, Chris. (laughs) World domination. I love it. (laughs) So, you know, I, I wanted to keep this simple, but my dreams aren't that simple. But at the same time, I think, you know, it's, I think my dreams are a little bit different. It's not about growing a seven-figure business or whatnot. For me, I want to be able to pursue my passion for marketing as well as travel, as well as my creative side, you know, what that is content creation. So as long as I'm balancing these three, as long as I'm happy, stable, have a peace of mind, I, I would consider myself a big success. Mm, I think a lot of people forget those things you just said right there because it's more just... You know, I think there's a bad narrative when it comes to entrepreneurship that they think that it's work, 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 work. You know, I got to work 16 hour days or 18 hour days in order to be successful. It's the only way that and it doesn't matter what you're doing. I think that's just and I don't even know why that became a narrative. I just guess because some figure influencer said something to that nature one time. No, I was, you know, culture. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly what it is. And that, oh, everyone just thinks that, oh, you know, I'm hustling. I'm doing stuff and that. You know, and because I used to think like that, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm grinding it out. I'm you know, I'm killing it right now. But then it's kind of like you look back and it's like, well, how much work did I really do? You know, and like and then what in the work I did do was that quality of work. I mean, you know, because I, I noticed a lot of people they tell me that you know they were they worked four hours on something. And it's like well, it took you four hours. What were you doing? And then you know, and and this is not everybody, of course. It's generally speaking, it's like one of my friends, and they're just like. Well, you know, I was, you know, on Instagram too, and I was doing this while I was working. It's like, mm. okay. it's like, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, like, what else were you doing there, bro? I mean, did you actually work, work, or was it <laughs> you working? So, yeah, and, and I think, but yeah, that's a good point about hustle culture, and that's where it kind of gets a bad rap. And I wish that would kind of change, just because I don't want everyone always thinking they have to think like that. Does that make sense? Yes, I I wrote an entire book on this, Chris. I was so pissed off, to be honest. I was really, really angry about the fact that, you know, the hustle culture is you push yourself to a point, well, well, it promotes workaholism and Mm -hmm. to a point where, you know, you have to sacrifice your mental, physical and emotional health. And And it absolutely pissed me off because in the beginning, I used to look up to all of these big digital entrepreneurs and this was all that they were saying, you know, if you were not working, then you were failing. And sure. more importantly, if you were not working, everyone else was ahead of you. Sure. And, you know, that that's such a toxic thought process. And, you know, at some point I was feeling very competitive. I was like, okay, I've got to do this. I burned out. I burned out within, I think, a year of starting my journey because then oh. it was a massive burnout. I had to take like a two month break. From working, I just did not want to see anything related to content creation or anything related to my business for two months. <laughs> and their whole thing was, you know, I was I was so proud that I was working weekends in a row, you know, like four weekends together and, you know, without taking a break or it's just such a toxic environment. And it took me that burnout to realize what a grave mistake I was making because 
I'm so passionate about what I do. And if I had to dread coming into work, that, that meant something was really, really wrong with my thought process and with the way I was showing up for my business and my myself as well. So yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I've spoken at length about this in my book, but yeah, it's one of the things that I have a bone to pick with. Yeah, very, very against it. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point you just said that, you know, I think that a lot of people should, you know, sit back and think about exactly what they're doing more and like ask themselves, hey, you know, is this what I thought this was going to be like? And am I actually mm. wanting to do what I thought I was doing rather than just doing it just for the heck of it? But, you know, and and that's not, you know, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with hard work or anything, but for, and with that narrative, but, you know, if you find something, you know, like creating content, then doing podcasts and then trying to be an Instagram influencer and then whatever else you're doing, you know, a lot of people that's just really not work to them. I mean, that's just our passions what you were saying earlier. And so, and that's fine. But again, it's like where it comes down to is like that work-life balance, not to, not to, you know, get that burnout and where, you know, I think a lot of, and I don't wish bad on anybody, but it's almost good to get served that humble pie or go through that little experience just so you know, what it feels like and just, okay, you know, I was going in the wrong direction. Now let me mm. reevaluate things, you know, and I, that's, you know, and that's how I've learned through my life path and my mistakes that I've made. It was like, okay, let me turn this thing around now and yeah. I'll figure it out from here. So, yeah, like, like I said, I don't wish that on anybody, but I think it's almost important just to kind of at least pump the brakes a little bit and like sit back for a minute and just like, okay, am I really happy or am I really doing what I want to be doing? So I don't know. I don't know. That's yeah. That's that's an issue with hustle culture too. I, I agree. So I yeah. I mean, a lot of people mistake the hustle culture for hard work, and I think that's where I want to bring it to people's attention. When you're sacrificing your emotional, mental, and physical health, that's not hard work. <laughs> that's a completely different definition, and that's extremely toxic. So hard work, yes, it's important, and I work hard. I do, but at the same time, I recognize that. I have a commitment to myself when it comes to my emotional, physical, and mental health. And prioritizing that is one of the most important things that I've done as a business owner and entrepreneur. Yeah. No, I think we should take that home right there. Just, you know, I do believe hard work pays off and that what you put into something, you firmly get out of it. So, and like, I think that needs to go definitely said. So anyway, if people want to find you, find all your services and all that good stuff, or just anything you want to plug, feel free to do that. Oh, yeah. So I am the marketing nomad every single place, Instagram, Facebook, what else? Um, YouTube. I have my own podcast where I bring in experts and interview them for mindset, marketing and business tips. I have a book coming out pretty soon uh, in September. It's called Zero to Four Figures Lessons Learned by a Broke CEO. <laughs> and that's basically um, it's got stories from 30 years of my life, as well as my digital entrepreneurship lessons that I have learned from those stories. So it's a compilation of 61 lessons from the last three years of my entrepreneurial journey. It's got drama, it's got intrigue, it's got humor, and it's got a ton of lessons, frameworks, tools that you can use for your business as well. I'm very, very excited about it. It's going to be available every single place like Amazon, Kobo, Barnes and Nobles. 
So yeah, I'm pretty sure um, you know Chris will put it in the podcast sure. uh, description box below. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you catch me on any of my platforms, do reach out to me. Come say hi to me. Tell me one thing that you liked about um, Chris's podcast or even this episode as well. I would be happy to connect with you. Cool. And yeah, thank you so much for listening all the way up until here. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for doing this. This was uh, this was fun. I'm glad you uh, you're out there doing big things and enlightening people on how to you know, grow their stuff or whatever they're trying to do. So you're cool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Okay. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right, we're out of here, people. See you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park